pack your briefcases, put your packed lunch in your lunch pail, get your swipe in badge clipped to the front of the pocket of your shirt. It is another episode of Corporate Lunch. We're coming live and direct from the content <laughs> tower. What could you possibly be laughing at, Noah? Just just fit, just match your lanyard to your uh, tie and your sport coat and put, your put on your striped tie pocket protector. I'm just trying to think of corporate attire, your corporate glass, essentials. Part your hair down the side. <laughs> put on your fleece vest. Your logo fleece vest. It is another episode of Corporate Lunch. You know, Noah, I got something to say about the last episode of Corporate Lunch. I think it was a certified banger featuring a side of No Vacancy Inn. But he was calling it Diet Lunch. (laughs) He was bummed. Both here in person and on the internet in the the aftermath because we didn't serve food at Corporate Lunch. I, I need everybody to know Corporate Lunch is a state of mind, man. This is not about caloric intake. This is this whole this realm exists beyond the physical uh, digestible realm. This it's is undigestible. Else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is not a catered event. This is about the mind. I can see how this it might is about be, the soul and the spirit. I can see how it might be misleading if one invites you to corporate lunch and you arrive to a you know a table of microphones and and headsets and Sam Hine on the production board. But no, that's that's called being invited to lunch. <laughs> When you get invited to corporate lunch, something else is going down, something bigger, something bolder. You don't come to the content tower expecting to eat. You come here prepared to generate to content. <laughs> Dude, corporate lunch is about output, not intake. It's very simple. Let's go. And I think very plain. Let's go. We didn't get to 32 episodes by sitting here eating croissants. <laughs> no, we did not. Buttered pastries. <laughs> um, look, I don't know about you. I'm getting like kind of gassed that fashion week is coming yeah no and i uh will be talking we're going to be talking about runway shows i'm sitting here this with, episode. A, with a stack of of paper schedules i want to start with a story yeah um one time it was many years ago at gq and i'm not uh that's not hyperbole it was literally many years ago <laughs> at gq uh we were working at f- uh uh four times square building mm-hmm. and um Fashion Week kind of crept up on me. Like, I had a really busy job. I worked really long hours. Um, and I just kind of, like, wasn't paying attention, right? And I bust down. It's like, oh, wow, Fashion Week's starting, and I've got to be at this Rag and Bone show at 5 p.m. Yeah. And I was, like, in the middle of all this stuff, and I just, like, hurried out of Four Times Square, jumped on the subway, went down to this Rag and Bone show. And I, basically, I had done no mental preparation for the idea that, like, fashion was about to happen yeah and so i just roll up out of the subway like run to the address in chelsea that i was supposed to be at and like ran past the ladies with their uh their lists their clipboards you know and all of a sudden like just just hit at like a full sprint basically both mentally (laughs) emotionally and physically like fashion you're capital f fashion confronted by fashion i like ran smack into fashion yeah it is intense, man. Yeah. Like, I know this is our world. We're used to this. Um, you know, we've both been to a lot of fashion shows in our careers and uh, we'll hopefully be at many more. But if you're not like, if you're not in the game mentally, or I'm really telling the story to illustrate, it was like, it was like Anna had like swept in, yeah. like in a pod and taken her seat. There were photographers everywhere. Um, it was a hybrid men's and women's shows, yeah. which is why Anna was there. Extra and, the, hype. and the women's shows are just much more 
intense. Yeah. There's like a lot of nervous energy. More there, cameras. There's a lot more cameras. There's a lot more like squabbling over who's sitting where. Right. It's just way more. The, you know, there's all these hierarchies and and it's just like a whole thing. And I was just I ran in there as just like a dude from Atlanta, <laughs> like a, like kind of an overgrown dude from Atlanta. You know, <laughs> um, like it's probably in some jeans. And I was just like, man. Yeah, fashion shows are a whole it's a whole thing. It's a system, it's an industry, it's an operation. It is intense. Yeah, and it exists it in this incredible it it's you know, it's a thing that sort of developed and evolved over decades, you know, since the the days of Cristobal Balenciaga and, and Yves Saint Laurent and whatnot. Tour darling in Paris. It's essentially the same as it's always been, which is kind of a crazy thing about At it. core, yeah. You know, that people sit in a, in rows or stand and and watch models walk or or do some sort of choreographed uh, movement in clothes, and you you take it all in. Right, and correct me if I'm wrong. Over time, it did become more of like a press thing. It was like press and buyers. It was it was editors and buyers. Yeah, made up the core, and then there are some special clients invited. Now, couture is a very different thing. That's right. Yeah, couture happens in Paris right after the men shows, um, at the end of June every summer. Um, it's only recently that it's had any real like consumer facing element to it. Couture or fashion shows, fashion in general? shows in general. That's right. But no, but tr- going back to the beginning, it was like for, for the yeah. private clients. clients. Yeah. So, uh, girls would, yeah, they would wear the new dresses of the season, all of which were couture, meaning their one-off creations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I believe they would walk out, no music playing or anything. In in a salon, it's probably very quiet in that salon. Super salon. Yeah, maybe someone's qui- playing piano. Maybe a little piano. Maybe like some some light coughing yeah. and sniffling. Yeah, like tea glass clinking in the back. And the girls, the models, would hold a number, right? Yeah. So that if you were a client of Cristobal Balenciaga, you could be like, "Oh, I need to make an appointment to go see dresses 13, 18, and twenty seven. Right. Uh, all of which have piqued my wealthy interest. <laughs> Much like the way I I uh, sit at fashion shows these days, um, you're shopping for yourself. Yeah, well, for well, preparing for my custom fitting with with you know with, <laughs> with Stefano Dolce and you know getting that's how I shop essentially. This is good for me to know that that's what you're doing while, while we're at the fashion shows. It's just personal shopping. Yeah, and duly noted, Noah. Um, now you know there's uh, I guess there's been as much upheaval as ever. There's as much change. It has been a very slowly evolving system, but that is pretty much in place. There are men's week. There are women's weeks. The crucial ones are London, Milan. No, Pitti Womo is a trade show that we go to. Yeah. It goes London and then Pitti and yep. Florence, Italy, Milan, Paris, New York. There's a group of men shows. Yeah. There, there's a group of women shows. Increasingly, all that is being sort of cast into disarray. Yeah. But we find ourselves with this um, very uh, juiced season and menswear coming up. Um, there's good stuff happening. There's a lot of good stuff happening. But, um, Noah, can you just tell me a little bit about your impressions of the, the runway show? Because there's a lot of talk about whether it's like going the way of the dodo bird, basically. Yeah. Do you think there's value in the runway show? Like, why do the people still produce them? What's your take? I mean, I, to me, I think it's 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 hugely important for a designer to have an opportunity to create a universe and to make the clothes move around, and get people right. animate the animate the the gear. Yep, and get people to see it 
I think people should touch it real way. I think you should be able to reach out and touch a model if you want. So let me get a feel. Let me get some tactile experience on this look. But I think you're going to have some trouble getting some support for that yeah, movement in, the, in the current environment. Yeah, don't, I don't recommend doing that. But the point is that there's a there's a real uh, uh, direct physical experience with the clothes, and that that should inform people's opinions and decisions and and give the designer an opportunity to make some sort of big statement. You know, it's music, it's like lighting, it's installation, it's all this stuff yeah. that I think is really. It, it not it it's not important in, in terms of like for the world to see, but for the buyers who are there, for the editors who are there who have to make sense of this stuff, and essentially they're responsible for the messaging in a way. Like they should get to step into this whole world and therefore understand it a little bit more. Not not that everything has to be super high concept. I mean, increasingly there is the expectation from the houses that the people who are invited and all the photographers and the editors are going to project this world yeah. that they've created around the clothes out to the to the public at large that's right yeah it's rapidly becoming every every show has like sort of a different you can you can feel it like sometimes you're just like this whole thing is just designed and orchestrated to be documented in real time and shared right and feel like a real moment in other words it is just for others there's that to be amplified to consumers basically yeah yeah um let me ask you this how would you articulate the difference between a show that your feeling about a collection from a show that you've attended versus one that you did not attend and just saw on the internet. It's really hard. Because increasingly, right, like I'll just, to, to put like basically all our cards on the table, like in a time of, of um, uh, uh, smaller budgets for magazines to be flying all around the world going to shows, there is this question of like, how do we need to be there? How many of us need to be there? Yeah. Like, what do we gain from actually flying to, to be in, uh, at a fashion show in person yeah. that we can't get online? What's the answer to you? I mean, I worked for a little while at style.com when that website existed and we did s some pretty f serious, unbiased uh, fashion criticism there. Yeah. And the hard rule was you could not write about anything. You cannot, you're you entitled to no opinion about anything unless you saw it in person. Amazing. And saw it in person meant sat at the show and watched it and then went backstage after. I would like to posthumously co-sign that, <laughs> that rule. And so, and I mean, this is a big, yeah, um, big part of why style.com was really celebrated. And 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 so it was seeing the show and then going backstage or to a Reese uh, and touching the clothes and speaking with the designer about the collection. So that that's to the review ultimate. a show that you had to do those things. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, now, of course, there's a weird thing that happens where we all have become so evolved with like digital visual culture. Like yeah. we read images better than anyone has ever read images before on a screen in terms of like making sense of what the information is. Images are better of better quality than they've ever been. We're basically of, like AI. Yeah, exactly. We can just like scan scan pixels and immediately fully understand like everything <laughs> what's about trash. every every dimension. Yeah, and what's, what's fire? <laughs> so like, yeah, of course you can with looking at good high res images. And if you look at a lot of collections, you can of course click through and like get really psyched about something and have strong opinions about it. But um, I'm pretty wary of that and definitely like trust the ones who have seen it in person because that makes a big difference. Yeah. There are there are things that look really dull. And it also goes back to like the choreography and the music and the set and like some the of the energy it is, in like, the room, you know, man. Damn, you had to be there, yo. The energy in the room. Yeah. Sometimes like the show's halfway through and you're just like everything about this is flat. And yep. that's not like a comment on the you know, the the way the clothes are cut. Yeah. That's just the overall feeling. Yeah. 
other times you're like, wow, this is just alive. This is being like energy is being given, energy is being received, yeah. energy is being given back. Absolutely. And that's when, you know, the, the, there's some juice. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that you, that it's all being like passed around. Like I remember last year going to that Fendi, seeing Fendi's like spring 18 show and, uh, Fendi didn't have a ton of heat behind it before that show went down and it was just like as like as the show the show began and as the look started you could just like people perked up like noticeably people like snapped out of it like phones started going down or going right. up to take more pictures or whatever but you know like there was a there was a sense of like interest and then at the end there was just like a buzz in the room and you could just tell people were raving about it right and that was like it, it it helps you make sense of things it puts things into context it gives you it just gives you a, a feeling of like what the energy was, what the vibe was. I think that's hugely important to be a part of. If you're going to then become someone who's like responsible for, for I, the ideas and messages behind it, you know. Uh, what are some of the best fashion shows you've ever been to? Ah, uh, it's a good question. The best fashion show I've ever been to, I think, is the was the Yeezy show at MSG. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Noah surprises me. Damn. That is such a good call. Because my wow. hot, my hot take is like fashion shows ultimately they're a little boring. They're a little bit even the best ones. And don't get me wrong, I get excited, but they really are. I, I was starting to say this earlier, but you know they really are kind of all the same, and they have been for a very long time. And you know everything Mucha Prada does is incredible, and she builds these sets with Rem Cool House. And the Prada shows I've been to are probably all among the best shows I've ever been to. But she's essentially doing the absolute best version of the the same thing everyone else is already doing in a way. Um, if that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of a harsh... That sounds harsher than I mean it to be. Uh, these things follow a format for a reason because the schedule is super strict because you've got 20 minutes to get and it in done. In a way, that is the that is what is being asked of people is like be creative in this within yeah. this framework. And they've got business to do, like real yeah. business to do, and it and it all has to make sense with the entire system. But... When someone, Kanye West, does something totally unexpected and, yeah, you know, you had to wait around or, or deal with whatever, getting yourself there and finding your seat, like, that shit was thrilling. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, maybe it was more of an album album uh, release. Nah, it was listening everything. Party, it was but, Madison Square Garden. But I, I think the point is just, like, why, I don't know, why can't more... I wish there was more happening that was rethinking what's possible in a similar sort of way. Not everyone's a super famous rapper with those means, but you you know what I mean? Like there's ways to reconsider. I would like to tell a story about the Yeezy show at Madison Square Garden. Oh, please. It's a short story. Um, I was there. I was on the floor. I was having a great time. Um, kind of like in the mix, like in that zone, you know, where Kanye had the table set up yeah. with the laptop on it. And then at some point I was like, let me just kind of like fall back to the to the edge of the floor um, and just kind of like take this all in. Because yeah. like Kanye and Cuddy were, were like, you know, wilding out, moshing at the table. Yeah. And then in the middle you had like the huge platforms with everybody on it. Yeah. And so I was like down there in the mix, which was fun. But I was like, let me just back up so I can see all this. And so I backed up so that my back was against like – the bleachers were right behind my head. Yeah. I was like leaning against the wall there. And there was like a space next to me. And um, Hove, Jay-Z, <laughs> just rolled up, didn't clock me, and just took the space next to me. <laughs> and I was like, now you're going to have to talk to me. <laughs> and he looked over and he was like, oh, what's up, dude? And I was like, what's up, man? How's it going? 
and we like had a little conversation yeah and um i was asking him about like how much of the album he had already heard i was trying to i was basically like is this your first time hearing it too yeah and he was like for the most part you know anyway it was awesome because um you know, I was just posted there, and then he posted next to me, and then I was like, yes. <laughs> I was in the stands with a bunch of, like, menswear bloggers, so <laughs> that sounds That sounds fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's your, what are that your... was an amazing day, and uh, the other thing that was amazing about that day is the day before, I was at the um, St. Laurent at the Palladium. That's right. Which is yeah. Eddie's last show. Yeah. And we, we, I had Pari Dukovic with me. We were shooting both of them yep. for um, GQ Style. Before GQ Style had published an issue, we were shooting that for That's right. a, a future issue so that it would be time for when the clothes came out. And so basically what I did, Pari and I did, is we went to Saint Laurent at the Palladium. That like was a fashion show that then rolled into a party. Yeah, We bolted after the show. Um, to the airport. Tried to get a picture, a photo of, of Eddie, by the way. I think we got nagged. <laughs> Bolted to the airport, skipped the party to catch the red eye. Yeah. Landed, like, went home, took a shower, went by the office for a minute, and then we linked back in Madison Square Garden. And you can go to GQStyle.com and see parties. The photos, photos are banging, yeah. Or if you have the fall 2016 issue with Jared Leto on the cover, um, Pari's like a magician, man. Um, so that was a hell of a one-two punch. Um, I'm trying to like get my brain to quick. I didn't think about this before we started, started the pod. Um, two others that just came to mind, like, as I sit here right now, um, the Prada corduroy collection last, the the last falls collection. Mm -hmm. That was one where it was like, it it was kind of, it was powerful for the opposite reasons of St. Laurent at the Palladium or easy at the garden it wasn't about the pomp and circumstance i mean as you already mentioned the prada installation yeah it's always incredible it's always super impactful but that was just like the clothes were so good yeah and on point for the moment and like spoke to me personally spoke to what we do at gq style yeah so that was like i was like oh man i just can't wait to get to shooting this stuff right which is a different math than like what was incredible about the yeezy totally um a Another one that's, again, recent, so I don't know if this is, like, my top three favorite fashion shows of all time, but just one that stands out is Raph in Chinatown. Yeah, that was amazing. The Blade Runner show. Yeah. Damn. In a in a funky, damp Chinatown market under the Manhattan Bridge. Yeah. And, yeah, this, like, outdoor market that he had just taken over. Um, I think they had, like, wet the floors it was like concrete yeah maybe they hosed him down i think they had hosed the floors down it was raining that night but there was all this blade runner style like um uh uh there were all these chinese paper lanterns with the new order yeah print on them yeah and then those clothes those just like shellacked coats and the umbrellas and the big i mean it was just it was hot. It was like fully uncomfortable. Yep. It was Super like hot, hot night. It was n- so not Super fun to be muggy. there and so fun to be there at the same time. It was that was an intense experience. I love that one. Raph always does. Raph never does a seating chart, so it's always a standing show, which I think is really cool and and helps. Sort I don't of know if never is the right word. I don't think he has for Raph Simmons. Didn't the first show in New York, the one in Chelsea, you and I were sitting together? Didn't we have assigned seats? Echagosian. Yeah, yeah. 
Maybe. Yeah, I thought so. Maybe not. Maybe that one was seated. If it, it's almost never ever. Sorry ever to happened. be the fact checking department. I was. Let's just go with what you said. I like what you Calvin said. Calvin shows are seated. Dior, every when he's the as creative director for other houses, he does a regular seated show. But almost every raft show, I'm confident has is just standing. a hang. And um. Oh, the raft show at Pity was incredible. Yeah. Where you just stood along like so taped lines and mazes were like whizzing right by you. Yeah. I had to like suck in to not. I mean, that's a, those are both great examples. Like at their best, fashion shows are really thrilling, performance uh, art, action-packed, yeah, artful, theater. cultural moments, and it's like high when it's when it's done right. It's like high art. It's performance. It's theater. It's music. It's fashion. It's it's such an incredible like confluence of disciplines. And I feel like as the weeks go by, like if you're lucky enough to to or you know. For some lucky enough to, to travel to Europe, you're kind of just like chasing and hoping for that that moment. To a happen. couple of those you moments. Know, a couple of it happens. A lot of it is pretty pretty rote, pretty standard. You go, you sit, you, you wait, um, you look at your phone, you get some work done. Yep. And then uh, the show kicks off. What do you when the show starts? A lot of you know a lot of journalists break out the notebook and they start writing furiously. Or, yeah. Or um, hilariously, a lot of people start taking bad versions on there they watch the show i mean like people do it every th- event these watch days it on their screen they yeah. watch it through their phone and they're either snapchatting instagram stories or in a lot of cases for fashion editors they're taking reference photos yeah presumably of the looks that they like in real time as they whiz by there's a I, lot of people I that do sh- not get it shoot every look and it's like that's going to be on vogue runway in, in eight minutes 30 seconds <laughs> like, like with all the details and yeah, everything like a way better version and it and it, to me it's like i understand wanting to like maximum maximal maximize the moment yeah and not like just go sit at a fashion show and then leave a bunch of work to be done that you have to double back for. Yeah, yeah, Like, in a way, you walk out and you've got some, like, selects and some direction already in your pocket. I understand that, but at at the end of the day, I don't believe in it. It's like... I don't believe it either. Just go there. Why don't you put your phone down for a second, sit and, like, try to have an experience. Yeah. let, let Let the event itself, let the presentation, let the clothes... Let the let the con- that confluence I was talking about speak to you in some way. Yeah. Like see what happens. Um, and yes, you will have to like go back through the the, the pictures after the fact and yeah. like find out which shoes you want to put in your editorial <laughs> or whatever. I break out the phone when like if there's something like if 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 I know a collection has like a a new like Nike collab sneaker in it that no one's yeah. ever seen before. I'll break it out real quick and try to get a snap and tweet it. Like get right it, away. get it on Twitter. I can just yeah, be yeah, like yeah. first to get it up there. No, nah, that's cool. I definitely kind of like look out. But that's for those different moments. than w- actually watching the show through your yeah. phone, snapping, and snapping every every other look with your like elbows up and somebody. I've multiple times and blurry I've, pictures. I've like reached over and, and like had people put their phones down. Just like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Just like a hand <laughs> in front of their phone, just like easy um <laughs> it's like the modern hush the one thing that's amazing about fashion shows especially hyped up ones where there's celebrities is once the lights go up on the runway if you're in the front row you tend to be pretty well lit yeah almost as well lit as the models yeah. especially if it's a depending on the level of the show and the, and the vibe and so you really get to sit there and kind of watch people watch triple a one people like, watch it's so good when it's good yeah um so that's like a 
a lot for me, a lot of the fun of the experience is just kind of like being part of this moment and seeing who else is part of this moment and yeah. interacting. And you see a lot of friends, but then a lot of people you don't know, be it celebrities or just like other sort of fashion world people. And you yeah. get this like totally immersive experience with that's like, it's really the only time that happens. Yeah. A lot of our work comes from the, um, just from the, like actual conversations with people, like yeah. as you're waiting for a show to start, there's like, obvious, totally. there's a ton of hurry up and wait. Yeah throughout those weeks and you are traveling around with like essentially the same people like a like a fashion car caravan yeah for two weeks yeah yeah you so, get the, so there's cozy. a lot of there's a lot of chit chat um but i don't know just a lot of cool ideas come out of it a lot of like uh you roll up to somebody that you know and start talking to them and they were already starting to they were already talking to two people and so then you connect with those yeah. people and then you talk about which shows you like and yeah. maybe somebody has a different take um that like kind of makes you re consider the show that you've already like kind of seen and harshly judged or whatever the case <laughs> may be um do you have another when you once you get find your seat uh and the, and the lights go up do you go do you have a mode do you have like a how do you take it in how do you deal with those 20 minutes i um this isn't all i don't always succeed at this but for me it's a challenge and this happens um at other points in my life too where i try not to default to taking my phone out of my pocket yeah because what happens is, um, you know, oftentimes, like, usually I'll be sitting next to Jim Nelson, and he and I talk. GQ editor-in-chief. Yeah, the GQ editor-in-chief. So it's it's he and I talk about, like, magazine business, stuff happening with the issue that we're working on back home, whatever. Um, so, or... Um, and then there's usually somebody else on my other side, yep. you know, and I find that if you take out your phone, you're essentially saying, I'm not, don't talk yeah, to me. Don't talk to me. Um, not a good idea for me to send the message to Jim <laughs> Nelson. Don't talk to me. But also just like whoever's next to me, like maybe we'll have a lame conversation. Maybe we'll have an amazing one, but I like the possibility of it. Yeah. The other thing that I always find a challenge is when anytime I'm in a setting where there's a lot of like people looking around, seeing how you're behaving and probably like quietly judging you. Yeah. Um, what shoes you're wearing. There's, there's like, it's, it's very easy to just hide in your phone. Like I like you, sir, am very busy. <laughs> That's what's happening with me. So I always try to resist that urge. And yeah. it's like, um, uh, a couple of nights ago I went to the Parsons gala Yeah. and, um, I had no idea who was going to be there. I just like had agreed to go and, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So I put on a tux and just walked into this room full of people. Uh -huh. I don't drink. Yeah. It was like I walked into like a room full of people drinking champagne. Yeah. And I was like, don't pull out your phone. Yeah. Just don't do it. Yeah. See what happens. I ran into some friends. Uh, I had a random conversation with a couple of Parsons students. I talked to some acquaintances probably for the longest that I've ever talked to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, it's like just kind of let it leaving some space for something to happen. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, parties that you have to go to are a great place for that. In our world, waiting for a fashion show to start is a great place for that. Yeah. Um, if you're eating alone, that's another one. Can you just, like, resist taking out your phone and leaving some brain space 
for yourself or yeah. maybe for a conversation if you're like eating a just bar like with the person next to you. Risk maybe making eye contact with someone and then just like dealing with it. Risk may won't be the worst thing in the world. Risk maybe sitting there and being inside your own head for three minutes yeah. without seeing what's popping on the gram. The fashion circuit is it is a busy, it's a jam packed schedule. The schedule is a whole other world, which is so hilarious to me because I don't know if people know this, but the shows happen at the same time every season. So everyone knows like what time Dior's show is on what day. Right. It's always the same. Yeah. And there's a at the tennis court. There's a little plan. And yep. like w- like your lunches are scheduled between these things. Your meetings are scheduled around these things. And so if, when something does change, it actually like <laughs> totally screws up people's lives, which I think is really Tom Brown showing on Saturday exactly. in Paris? Saturday yeah. morning? So this is why when you hear Tom Brown shows on Sunday when there's night. like a WWD breaking news thing as there was today that Gucci's now showing in Paris. People are losing their minds. One, because Gucci's an Italian house that always shows in Milan, and so this is a bit surprising. It's like, ooh, what does, and it, it's what does like it mean? These, you know, in, in, in the Alessandro Michele era when Gucci has been shit red hot. Yeah. Shit hot and red hot at the same time for shit red hot. Um, that's like an anchor of Milan Fashion Week. Yeah. And so it's it, something that, like, the energy organizes itself around. That's it. right. And everybody has something to look forward to. And maybe there's a couple shows that you're not so psyched about, and you get through them because you're, like, Gucci's coming daydreaming out. about the Gooch. <laughs> it's happened. So that's a dent in Milan's schedule. But then, like, I, it's just funny to imagine the other people who are like, oh, God, now Paris is totally screwed. Like, yeah. where, how, there's no time. We don't have time in Paris for another show. Where could they be putting it? So the whole thing is so frenzied, and everyone is really busy all the time. Yeah. And it's because you're on a different time zone from your colleagues that you're normally working with. Especially if you're in the magazine industry, you know, most of your your team is back home making magazines. And, like, I get it. Like, people are kind of trying to keep up. But it's a funny thing to be in and just to be for weeks constantly surrounded by people who are only ever maximally busy yeah and and that leads to a lot of like you know just like behavior stuck, stuck in the inbox and like yeah but all that kind of stuff you know we're busy for sure it's true but i think it's a cool it's a cool exercise it, it can actually like be a powerful exercise a lot of to, people to are try to make space for the idea that maybe you're not so busy yeah and see where that takes yeah, you. right consider that yeah a lot of people are now there's lots of movement towards showing men's and women's collections together. Yes. That's There's like history that's of them happening. being separate, but increasingly they're being smashed together for various reasons. What do you make of that? Well, what that means is that uh, brands that used to do two separate shows, one during Men's Week for Men and one during Women's Week for Women, are now, when they combine them, they always combine them during Women's Week. Right. So that means um, we go to Europe for the men's shows or their Gucci, for instance. They were one of the first to combine um and it was po- presented as kind of like both a political statement yeah. or, or like a topical social statement is maybe a better way to frame it meaning that like um s- separating that that clothes should be presented in a more genderless way right and that it makes sense to to present them as one vision not as two related visions yep. which i super support um, the tricky thing for us at GQ is we go to the men shows and then a lot of the, the houses that we're dying to see their collections and, um, that we have like long relationships with, they're showing during women. So yeah. then it's like, do we go back? Yeah. So uh, as far as like the, as a concept, as an idea, um, I'm into it. Yeah. 
put and I like looking at women's clothes as well. Yeah. Like this idea that we don't want to know, like that we don't ever shoot women yeah. or that we don't care what's going on with the women's clothes is a bit dated. Yeah. As is just this idea of like <clears throat> keeping anything separate. Gender's a construct, man. I don't have to tell you that. Gender's a construct. <sighs> I mean, that's part of the the corporate lunch ethos big time. Also, I just like the way like I think it can make the men's clothes look cooler when there's women next to them. Absolutely. And by, it's just like, that's just how things happen a little more in, context. In, in the world, yeah. you know? And like, you mean, you mean life is not a bunch of <laughs> skinny men marching in unison? <laughs> Crazy. Um, the other thing that I understand as like, as uh, you know, as our business has changed, so has the business of the fashion houses and it's expensive and time consuming. Yeah. It's a, it's expensive in all and across your resources to put on two separate shows. Yeah. So putting on one makes sense. But the tricky thing for us is it's kind of happening drip by drip. So every season more and more um, houses are combining their shows, moving to women's week. And, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to be there for men's for now. Yeah. And so it, it just creates a, time and money problem for us like are we going to fly back to europe again and be not just spend the money and spend the time but also not be in the office not be doing photo shoots not being all the things that we need to be doing yeah so we're going to see where it goes it seems pretty clear to me where it's headed um where it gets interesting is like in milan for instance there are a lot of really um uh strong traditional houses that just do men's men's tailoring houses they don't do women's they don't have no desire to go put themselves into the like melee right. of Milan right. women's week. So they're going to like hold down the fort. Obviously the cities themselves benefit from having two separate yeah, weeks. Hugely, yeah. Um, so they're resistant to, to squashing it all together. And then the other thing that's happening, and I'm curious to hear what you think of this is uh, there's an increasing interest in, and uh, fashion houses looking at this like drop culture. Right. That comes from sneakers and, and streetwear traditionally. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're like maybe putting on, you know, a $1.5 million fashion show um, is dated. Yeah. And so we saw See Now Buy Now and all that, but um, it there's definitely like a more uh, creative thinking than ever and number crunching as well going into this idea of how do we maybe step outside the system? Yeah, I think like this came up earlier, but I think like as it becomes increasingly sort of a consumer facing affair to yes. some degree, you start to really realize how you need to differentiate and how you need to like seize these opportunities and like spend your money wisely. Like one thing I was thinking about is the thing that happens that um, is that most of the models you see are the same. There's like a large sort of po- contingent like population of models that have been presented by the agencies and they get cast for the shows. Yeah. There's probably 30 models cast per show or something like that. Yeah. Sometimes they're used more than once. And and they're they're they kind of like represent the season. It's funny. And they, like you start to see the same kids pop up again and again and you're like, "Ah, oh, this is like sort of one of the faces of the season. Like yeah. all the designers love this guy." But uh, to me, there's another thing that happens, which is you just get a little bored. You're kind of seeing the same people over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And it's just it's one of these things where shows that are street cast or that are cast in more interesting ways are hugely. It, I think it, it makes Always a, exciting. a big difference. Yeah. Like if you think about what Balenciaga and Vetmanda have done, like as, as weird as <laughs> dudes with mullets. 
like as strange as some of that stuff has been, it's a huge part of what's made that whole phenomenon so interesting and exciting in terms of the actual circuit. But I think it just to your point about like exploring other ways of doing it, it's like, yeah, if you want to make maximum impact, you can't do a thing that feels too familiar or that feels right. too that too many other people are actually already doing. And I think we're that's something we're thinking about a GQ and GQ style too. Yeah, like totally. Do we want to do another photo shoot that's the way we've always done it and if we do when we drop it online is it even going to make a sound and yeah. how do we rethink all this yeah so um there's a lot of parallels between um both our business and our creative thinking um uh, between us as a fashion magazine or two fashion magazines and the fashion houses yeah let's get into some specifics of uh the shows that are coming up in june bah, bah, bah. so the, the juice is in paris let's be clear so it starts in London. I'm always a fan of Milan Fashion Week. I traditionally don't go to London. Uh, London I'm, is a bunch of really uh, exciting, but emer sort of emerging or, or smaller. Um, I, they, I feel like London always tends to be like the kids who just got out of fashion school. I mean, yeah. a lot of them are much older than that, but there's a lot of energy and creativity and sort of conceptual effort that goes into there and not yeah. so much a commercial concern. That's right. And... Um, there's always it, whenever I, you know, in in at Pitti in Florence or in Milan and I, I talk to people who just came from London, it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's they're always talking about how it's about young energy. It's about emerging brands. It's about it's a little bit more avant garde for sure. And then the how people react to it seems to be like, was there avant garde stuff that worked yeah. or then other seasons? They're like, eh, it was kind of just like all kooky right grad school stuff so there's a mix um um i i always look forward not more than paris but i really love milan fashion week yeah i love the city of milan you love the city of milan i do i love italy um and i'm really into tailoring so i like a lot of um what we see there I, and i think it's exciting and then it's also like it's a compact schedule it's a compact city it's easy to move around um it just feels good to be there in june like to be in milan in mid-june is awesome milan's got a lot of stuff that i think i mean the big ones but i think the big ones are like really exciting right now like versace yep. it's like so fun to see a versace show the um, last versace show too was awesome i've already mentioned prada and fendi i think those prada is always really in insanely just amazing and i think fendi will get better and better Armani and is, isn't it cool too that like fendi which is like a an old world furrier yeah it's like going to see a new young, a young new designer absolutely because yeah. of the energy there yeah it's like it's like it feels like going to like a craig green show or something yeah it does right now absolutely um so it's cool the way these even the traditional houses can like cycle into this like young phase and I like the feeling of, of like, the history of, you know, like, going to an Armani show feels like you go and you, like, sit in this big theater yeah. that he's been doing shows in for, I don't know how many years, but a bunch of years, you know. An Ando-designed theater. A really incredible building. Um, and Armani does his thing, you know, like. he The way his show happens is different from anybody else's. It's a totally unique Famous experience. for really slow walking models. Yeah. They're just, like, chilling. <laughs> That's it's right. not that like boom, 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 yeah. boom. It's like they just kind of like meander out. There's yeah. a lot of women in the show. Yeah. There are always some big Armani celebrities. Yeah. Um, friend, personal friends of Mr. Armani himself. Yeah. Italian um, beauties of the stage and screen. 
It's quite a it's quite a scene. And a major frenzy outside. I mean, it's not just like you hear oh, a yeah, lot about the street, street style, style and street style photographers, but they're like fans come out too, you know? Yeah. I mean, the fans get word of like whatever young celebrities are going to be there, but there's like it's like mobs of people out there yeah. like screaming. That's a funny one when when I think that's one where you exit when you exit like out the front, you are you're like immediately confronted by basically like a police barricade. Definitely. With like kids like pressed yeah. up against it. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I'm just like some dude looking for my car. And yeah. they're just like they're, Who's they're this like, guy? They're like, get out of the way, yeah. like some Chinese pop star that you haven't heard is yeah. about to roll out. Yeah, you stand there smiling for a minute and realize you're like blocking the their view of like, yeah, one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. Just, like, <laughs> Who you've never like, heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, the energy is no doubt in Paris right now. So we talked a little bit last episode about, you know, Virgil is showing his for the first time at Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. Kim Jones is now at um, Dior. Mm-hmm. But there's some other cool stuff happening. I noticed Aleeks. Yep. Uh, so Matthew, Matthew Williams, uh, you know, if you follow... If you follow Corporate Lunch or GQ Style Magazine or GQStyle.com, just basically any of our properties, <laughs> uh, you're probably aware of Aleeks and Matthew Williams, um, uh, who just announced a big Nike collaboration, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so that, as far as I can tell, is going to be a runway show on Sunday. In our world, that's a huge thing. It's on the schedule. Yep. He talked with Sam Hine not too long ago about wanting to do that one day and just kind of taking his time to get there. I think designers feel newer, younger designers feel that pressure. Like, take obviously, they have to raise the capital to do it and, and feel like they earn the spot, but yep. just also like you rush into this. If, if, if you don't make the right impression, I feel like your first go around, like I said, the schedule is so packed, you know, you might not. Oh, it's also hard to get on it. You be, have to apply. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't just be like, yo, man, I got a collection. Like, yeah. I want to show in Paris. It's very <laughs> difficult. Good luck with that. I mean, I guess when Matthew Williams was talking to Sam and he said one day he wants to do, do a show, he meant Sunday, June twenty fourth, two thousand and eighteen. Like in a few months. Uh, I'll be there. Um, what else stands out for you on there? I mean, the awesome thing about Paris is a lot of the Japanese designers are out there. So Junior Watanabe and um, Yoji Yamamoto and those ones undercover. I love you know. Uh, the soloist doesn't do a show there, but the soloist has a showroom, so you can go see the new collection. Uh, I mean, Rick Owens to me, I, I think. Um, Man, uh, the that, Palais de Tokyo show with the scaffolding, the, thinks, out, the outdoor one. Yeah, speaking of best runway shows ever, that's definitely up there. Unbel- I need a freak. Just amazing. That's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> it's I like mean, a scorching hot afternoon in Paris, and you're watching like insane goth fashion on mammoth sized scaffolding march at you like talk but, about but, casting but his at, shows are amazing but at cast. the like at the fountains outside of the palais de tokyo yeah. which are like you're surrounded by these like incredible like i don't know how old those sculptures are yeah but you're in this like pristine uh paris location and it's just like i need a freak every <laughs> day and every night and yeah like goth gothy shit is happening so fun i wonder what the uh i wonder what the off-white show will be like i, know. I saw i saw on ig stories that like you know virgil was like gramming some stuff from fittings and all that yeah and yeah I, and obviously he's keeping it going and, and we know that that uh virgil is like you know 
his his way is to have a lot of things happening and to just figure it out but i'm sure his attention has been focused on lv so that'll be interesting it also makes sense that naturally like some of his ideas will begin to like get divided a little bit you know he'll have to rethink somewhat i think what off-white is in order to do something new there's also tons of paris is such an interesting mix you do have like you have legendary french designers you have legendary french houses run by young people you've got the japanese contingency that you already mentioned issy junior um and then also more like new wave avant-garde japanese stuff like undercover um and then you have small brands aleeks ami you know um it's just kind of like non-stop hits one of my favorite shows of all time, another one was that Acne. the Comme des Garçons um, Spring 18 show, which I've talked about. The glitter shorts that James Harden wore. Missed it. Um, that was an insane Missed show. Missed it. Doors shut. Too late. Should, should have been there, man. Pulled up too late. Not cool. <laughs> Here's the other thing, Noah. Can you explain a little bit of how it works after we go to the shows? Like, there, there's the there's the what we're looking forward to what happens there but then and then how we feel at the shows i feel like we've touched on all that but like yeah then what well we return home to our families yes try to get a good night's sleep kiss our domestic partners um but yeah i mean i think that it's to me it's always important we create a lot of content while we're on the ground if we can and then immediately you just start thinking about I don't necessarily think about like which looks I want to shoot or which looks I think we should feature on who. It's not necessarily that sort of thing. It's just like what was the tone of the season. I think you in know, a you way, start to, like, in a way, our like it. creative energy starts heading towards the things that were exciting. Yeah, because to 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 get specific about it, like we go to these shows in June, and these are the spring 2019 right. collections a, that will be seen. A hefty lead time. Yeah. So you don't like come back and like get to work yeah. on like getting the best looks in the magazine or anything like that. Um, so there's a lead time, but you just start sort of like you've you've really caught a feeling. There's some really specific things you're interested in, but also just some like really broad directions, and we just start sort of like pedaling in that direction. Often I feel like I come back having just met a bunch of like emerging designers. Like last time I was in Paris, I think was when I met Jan Jan Van Ash. And we ended up doing a feature on him. You know, Absolutely. he's a designer from Antwerp who shows there, and and that turned into a feature one day. So I think a lot of it is, um, is that type of like on the ground sort of research, experiential stuff that that leads somewhere. And I, a lot of it for me is making sense of that and and like using that toward to, whatever plan the next year. Right. Basically. Of coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going to be the best show at Paris? I think Dior is going to be amazing. I think Kim Jones is going to do some crazy shit. Kim Jones and at I Dior. I love Kim Jones, and I've always loved Kim Jones. And I think – I was thinking about it. It's same with Virgil at, at Vuitton, but I don't know how much – I wonder how much Kim, Kim's, like, access to resources, craft, materials, like, how much that stuff changes, you know? Like, yeah. both houses, Vuitton and, and Dior, have huge budgets and, and uh, I'm sure, amazing Well-funded ateliers. houses. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Huge budget is such a crass way of putting it. But one has to wonder, like, things are different. Dior is different. You know, he'll get there and there will be other sort of ways of doing things and making things that he'll now have access to. One time I was doing our uh, – traditionally before the Louis Vuitton show, the day before we would go 
visit Kim while he was doing fittings. And one time he was showing a crocodile jacket that had been indigo dyed <laughs> by these people that he found in Japan. You know, like this really special, really expensive process. I yeah. can't remember. They were m- going to make like 12 of them or something. Yeah. And um, so in a way, like at LV, for him, it was about exploring really special ways of making incredibly... Uh, just the the kind of piece that can never exist before. I mean, traditionally, menswear at Dior has been more rooted in tailoring. Right. So it's like, it's going to be interesting to see if he's shifting from like trying to find the most special way to make the the most elevated version of whatever it is he's feeling. Is he going to really like dive deep into tailoring instead? And how much of a shift will there be on that? I also think that's a cool one where outgoing Dior designer Chris Van Ash had a really different aesthetic. He came up working under Eddie Slimane, and I think that, like, Kim's going to go in a really different direction, Yeah, I think. And I think that'll make it feel even more exciting and right. even even more radical. Oh, I see what you mean, because Chris, who I think maybe 11 years at Dior, yeah. after working for Eddie at Dior, yeah. uh, in a way it was an extension. Yeah. He was, like, in Very much Eddie's infor- atelier. Very much by that, yeah. yeah. So in a way it was, like, a continuation, but in new hands and in, in a slightly new direction. So this will actually be the first time there's potential for Dior to just feel totally different yeah. since for all the while, way back since, since Eddie took over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, the ones that I, I think Dries Van Noten is always one of my favorites. Man, and will, always a highlight. Um, Dries loves music too. The music is always music so good. Music is really good. It'll be a wild venue. Um, that's just one to always look forward to. And then just like younger, buzzier, something that I'm excited to see is um, GmbH. Which is a, a sort of freaky. Uh, they're almost like fetishistic in a weird way. Their last collection had a lot of like motorcycle gear in it, um, but it's a. I think some sort of design collect. It's a mystery to me, but they're Berlin based, and um, maybe it's a collective. Maybe it's one person. It's Although still maybe s- they're Munich. Oh, really? Is it Berlin? I don't know. I can't remember. See, they're German. This is like yeah, they're German. Uh, but really interesting, and and the energy's growing, and has a has a little bit of the flavor of like what where Vetmont was at first where it was just sort of mysterious interesting new different high energy high creativity hard edges hard edges yeah what about you um yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to the uh two that everybody's looking forward to i'm also super stoked on Aleeks. um for sure that it's it's cool too that Alix is on Sunday night just before Kinzo cuz that'll be a way to wrap it up. Yeah. And then um I'm always excited about like, you know, some of those like mid-tier guys. They're not emerging anymore, but they're not the the like legendary fashion houses like Acme. Yeah, Acme's you know? really good. More to come. Should we vibe this thing on out? I'm so ready to vibe. You got some vibes? I think so. 13 <laughs> It is time for 13 Vibes, our night's not-so-fast lightning round of things we're feeling right now. I brought some vibes today, Noah, so I want you to start. I think you should start, but I've got some ideas. All right. The first vibe is the group text. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember life. What happens on the Skate Homie group the text? Group text? The Skate Homie group text is completely out of control. Um I didn't even realize yesterday or the other day I looked, there's 11 people on it, and like two of them I don't know. So nice. this is one that's been going on for years. Um, but I, I'm on several group texts with several different friend groups, and it's just like, it's funny, like, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all this other social media is like how we kind of 
we're constantly like absorbing stuff, but I feel like the real kind of most incredible recent development is the group text in terms of how people stay in touch with each other, how you know what's happening, how yeah. you kind of um, keep up. It's such a bizarre thing. Like I'm totally off like Facebook and I don't really use social media to interact with friends. You know, like right. Instagram and Twitter are really people that I don't really know that well. <laughs> it's you guys, corporate lunch listeners. <laughs> Hit up at Noah V. Johnson. <laughs> It's basically all the friends of the pod, but the friends of life are in the group text. Yeah. And um, I mean, I could I, I could never reveal um, to anyone uh, what what goes down in the group text. But I think those out there, I think at this point, most people are in one or two and, and they know the vibe. And I just want powerful, to shout out. powerful form of communication. Are your group texts named? Do they have like clever names? Yeah, kind of. Um, let me see if I can read any of the names. <laughs> the big one right now is called the I'm Tired Group. <laughs> it changes daily There's doesn't warf- that make you tired just going in there oh because somebody can go in and rotate it yeah the name's constantly changing that's fine that, that one just changed recently skater talk that's always a good one to be in skater talk i think i would get very lost in the skater talk group group text <laughs> it's mostly just like yo skate? who's skating where are we meeting what time are you meeting where are you at what spot is that where's that so i wouldn't get lost i just would never show up yeah I'd be bored um my vibe is loafers, man. We're coming into the coming into the summertime. Just loafers. Is everybody wearing loafers today? I got loafers on. I got loafers on. Sam had them on yesterday. Sam always one step ahead of us. Sam's Noah. wearing para boots with animal skin on them. Today I'm wearing my um, the chocolate brown Tom Ford chain loafer. Those are so fly. Um, I also have my eye. I was on a photo shoot recently with the. Um, photographer dario kobayashi rich yeah really cool young la photographer and her super rad assistant derek had on i'm not even going to reveal what they were because i can't scoop myself yeah just the illest pair of loafers and we were like clomping around in the mud and stuff yeah and he was just like you gotta wear your loafers i was like i i I just took a picture of his feet and i was like dude i'm stealing your loafers do you still have those ralph loafers that you wear to the beach that was the other one. The Ralph loafers are my exclusive beach kit. Yeah, I love that. Maybe exclusive is a strong word, but uh, for me, the beach is about really old, frayed Oxford shirt, uh, the, th- the swim trunks, and then uh, this really dope pair of brown Ralph loafers that I have. That will just like always have sand uh, tucked into the insole somewhere? No, I actually, whenever I pull them out of the closet, the sand spills out of them onto my floor, and then I have to get annoyed because I have to clean it up. But there's no, you can't ever get all of the sand out. Dude, you just jacked my next vibe, which was going to be loafers. But Are you serious? Well, mine was going to be more specific, so I'm just going to roll with it and just carry this forward, and then it's going to come back to you. But mine was the two-tone loafer. Yeah, very strong. I'm wearing, I am wearing loafers today, and I'm wearing Basswegian black and white two-tone very loafers, which I think is like a, I, it's kind of like I'm, I'm kind of dressed today like I'm going to the soda fountain in 1950. Yes, you are like a greaser. Yeah, I wore these the other day, and my dad just pointed at him and goes, "Greaser." You, you <laughs> like, look like you look like you're gonna pull out a switchblade and <laughs> flick it, and it's actually just gonna be a comb. What happened is a while back, Noah released a two-tone pair of loafers. I think they were like brown and I'm sure white. Sure, Hein has them. And I missed. I what were they? Though they were black and white. Uh, well, I always wanted them, so I ended up with this Basswegian pair. They just put out some recent ones that are suede that are like yellow and and off white. No, I did. Cream. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they've been floating around out out there a little bit here and there, and I just got my. And if you don't, I mean, I've I mess with Basswegians. Oh yeah, big like a hundred bucks. That's the classic. 
I never owned a pair till now. If somebody just comes up to you and says loafer, they're talking about bass weegins, ba- bass weegins, especially the penny wo- the penny loafer. Yeah, you know. And then there's there's iterations from there. I mean, the other quintessential loafer on par in our universe with the bass weegin is the deal sled. The, the what? The deal sled. The, <laughs> the Gucci horse bit loafer. In Atlanta, they call them deal sleds. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, never yeah, heard yeah. that. Because like they're for dudes who crush deals. That's <laughs> so deal sick. sleds. Yeah. Holy crap! I mean, the thing about the Gucci loafer right now is it's been turned on its head because there's so many uh, iterations. I really do like the mule, the one that's like a Birkenstock clog. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it, but it just has the horse bit on it. Yeah, I mean that's insane. But obviously, the classics is. And you know, like if you if you come across a gentleman of a certain age who's like a real man of style, yeah, he's inevitably going to have a pair of Gucci horse bits that he. I like to ask them how many times have you had them resold. That's how you know. Yeah, the you know the answer will be like thirteen times. How probably. real are you? Bake one baker's dozen. God, now you're making me feel a certain way about that. <clears throat> I'm feeling. I'm really feeling summery, as you can imagine. So, my vibe is go maximal at the beach. Okay. Okay, so I completely understand and have been the guy who's just like, I, all I need is like a swimsuit and a towel. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. I'm good. And you wear the swimsuit like under your jeans when you get Yeah, 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 yeah. You <laughs> that just, dude who just is like- You roll out I'm and you not, like whoosh, yeah. whip out the towel and then you like pack up and go. Yeah. And like, maybe you have a book, maybe you don't. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I discovered, I was usually that dude and then I came to know- the pleasures of being the guy who just like basically sets up a beach living has room. it all yeah so the chair yeah the umbrella yeah maybe like one of those um steven allen makes a great one you it's it's like a linen that you put down on the beach first and then like your towels, towels can go, go on top t- of that <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, yeah, a lunch yeah. pail you yeah. know in a way you're like it's like x marks the spot yeah you like roll out your your like vibey cloth yeah. and yeah. you're like you know, this is you're claiming your territory. You layer the ground a little bit. Um, some sort of portable music device. Yeah. A cooler loaded up with whatever your eats and drinks are. Yeah. Um, a book. Um, you know, for me, it's a film camera, a phone. Yeah. Uh, a little. Hopefully, there's a pocket in a bag somewhere where you can put a bunch of cash so you yeah. can roll up and you know get a sandwich from the a koozie. Shack. Don't forget a koozie. Yeah. Whatever your drink of choice is, keep it cold in your hand. My koozie days are behind me. I, I don't bring. I don't really roll up with a koozie for like diet coke. Oh uh, like, no! Yeah. I thought it was still. If the homie has a koozie, I'll definitely put a diet coke. I mean, I like <laughs> drinking out of a koozie, but it's kind of a beer thing, you know. I try not to be the guy like I'm like the vegetarian who eats wants all of their vegetarian <laughs> food to be like meat. Yeah. Like you're not gonna catch me drinking like a non alcoholic beer out of a koozie, like trying to yeah. Um and then yeah, and then you just got everything you need. You basically have everything you need the but like sport, a sh- maybe but like a shower. I like pro oh, yeah. pro Kadima's Kadima's incredible. Kadima's incredible. I you know, I was usually resistant to the um every summer there's like a new trendy beach sport like slap slam ball or whatever slam that ball is. is so fun really i've never played incredibly it's fun fully taken over the beach it's such a good time yeah Must so be. anyway i'm just like rolling in the morning is, is that what it's called spike ball, spike ball. whatever <laughs> See, man I don't know it's made shit. up shit regardless yeah. it's just i'm just <laughs> it's saying it's fun game. no it's not, it's not a, a real, real game. sport or anything yeah <laughs> um i'm just saying get up early roll to the beach set up like basically an entire house yeah and then just like chill i'm with it strongly with it 
for my next vibe, this is like this is tough. This is gonna be a tough one for me to talk about. I'm not a watch guy. I don't wear a watch. I don't really own yep. a watch that I'm proud of or anything. Partly because I couldn't afford a watch worth being proud of. I've located the watch I'm gonna get. <laughs> this is like a huge claim. This is this is something Noah and I have been talking about for since we met each other. Okay, what's the deal? This I want news to me, by the way. I want to get a Cartier crash. Wow. You know what that of one course. is? It's a really famous one. I'm of sure course. everybody knows what it is. I don't know about everybody, but I know I what a just, Cartier crash I sort is. of I'd seen it before, but I just learned the name of it and started looking into it. But it's essentially a, a relatively simple car Cartier watch with Roman numerals numbers that looks like it's been melted and sort of smashed partially full salvador dolly yeah it's a totally surreal uh melted and so the best one is just a you gold. know the backstory no i don't well it was i don't i can't remember the full back there was a time where i knew the full backstory yeah. but somebody actually crashed a car in a cardio watch and right. it was modeled after and their it's the sickest thing there's one on ebay right now it says it's from 1991 it's $60,000 i'm thinking about Six zero? <laughs> yeah, sixty. You're thinking about copping? Yeah. Really? No. <laughs> but um if anybody out there wants to maybe I'll start a GoFundMe. But aren't isn't a Cartier a Cartier crash is not sixty grand. I think I don't know. Is I, that I a special only one? see them as like a hundred thousand dollars. Oh. Okay. This is super aspirational. It's not I thought like, this it, was like uh watches within reach. No, but it's, not. it's not within reach, sorry. That's but a it's lot exciting. i I'll probably one day settle for a tank, a gold tank with a black croc strap, but I just haven't gotten there yet. Dude. I do. I'm not down with the self-limiting vibes of that. If you want, if, if Cartier crash, <laughs> if a Cartier crash is the watch for you, you will absolutely have a Cartier crash. All right, let's go. Um, <clears throat> your vibe is the crash. My vibe is the donk. Donk, 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 donk day. Donk day 2018. Donks are so. This sweet. isn't the yeah. Donk day 2018. So anyway, our own Sam Hine just did a story on GQStyle.com. Um, basically. I've discovered this dude on Instagram at Donk Planet, and he's just really into the Donk. And what the Donk is is a 1971 to 1976 Chevrolet Caprice or Impala. It's and so good that it's that name for such a specific group of cars. Yeah, and you can have like a dope 70s sled yeah and have it all like painted and sitting on rims and all that stuff but if it ain't a 71 to 76 caprice or impala it ain't a donk <laughs> <laughs> but you know i grew up in atlanta georgia um re from donk planet says to sam in the article that it started out as a miami thing that very well may be true but this kind of um souping up classic chevys uh whether they are technically a donk or not i mean there's a lot of different subcultures within the right within the the modified chevy culture uh but these things are just beautiful cars and it just speaks to me you know it's like these are cars for um first of all cult cultures where you ride around it's cult it's cars for cultures where you drive slow yeah um it's just like this is 13 vibes and it's just like my vibe yeah like a slow rolling vintage Chevy that has had some work done to maxed it. out. Go to GQ style. If you, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, go to GQ style.com and check out Sam's piece. Uh, Devin Christopher went to donk day 2018 in Miami and took some pictures and it's beautiful stuff or they're on my Instagram. Um, next vibe is the donk is like, um, it's basically the spiritual opposite of your whip. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I have a fully stock 1989, extremely German uh, <laughs> BMW 325i. I have a, It's a very small and extremely like conservative, compact uh, little feat of engineering. Maybe one day soon you'll you'll put up 60k for a crash, and I'll put up 60k <laughs> for a donk. Dude, the Dude, day when I'm cruising, we in can your ride donk, around slow. When I'm man. riding shotgun in your donk with my crash on, that's yeah. we'll have it made. Man. We can ride around real slow. Man, um, we will cut corporate lunch from inside my dunk. <laughs> while, while Sam Hyden Sam in the, the back seat. with the headphones on and Noah wearing the crash. Also, go to the the. Just the, don't bring crash vibes into my donk. You know what I'm saying? True. You have to go to the um, that story for the T-shirts too. The the donk merch is solid. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, the next vibe is new John Mayer content. Yep. John Mayer, friend of the pod. Content uh, conscious content. Fellow John Lord. Um, <laughs> he put out a jam called New Light. Uh, did we talk about this yet? Uh, the we art, have not. The art is by um, the online ceramics dudes, uh, also friends of the pod. The song is a jam. It's a super smooth, um, like bopping little pop rock song. Good for dancing. New Light. New Light. So, but today he dropped the video. The video, came, the song came out a week or two ago, and the video came out today, this week. I haven't seen the video hot, yet. Hot off the presses, he says John Mayer says that he went, he he, I don't know, couldn't figure out the budget or something, and so he just went downtown, wherever that means, to like the, the the amateur video production place where like kids go for their bar mitzvahs or whatever. Yeah, to have yeah, like yeah. A, To have like a little montage video cut, so it's all this like green screen stuff of him at like, the Grand Canyon or like on yeah. the moon or doing whatever, and just like. He's got a sick fit on. It's probably like all capital, some really good baggy um, plaid pants. John, hit me up. Give me the credit for those pants. I'm pretty curious. Yeah, we need you to add the brand. Hind nose. Yeah, he's wearing capital head to toe. Um, That's, I mean, come on. And it ain't VizVim, so so that's how you know. But it's a a jam, and the video is a lot of fun, and it seemed like he had fun rolling it out. And um, if you follow him on Instagram and stuff, you've seen it. Mayor is such an interesting character, man. He's, He's so, like, he understands like every facet of the culture yeah especially our like edgy zone of the like internet style music culture yeah and then he just feeds it totally and he feeds it consciously which is interesting because um it's cooler to feed it unconsciously but mayor's thing isn't really like cool mayor's thing it's, it's not he's not about being cool he is cool because he's just I don't know. This is an unformed take. It's a super solid take, though. The funny thing about him is that, or, or the unusual thing about him that almost no other celebrity does, is he seems to be fully fluent in the language of, like, the internet and the corners of the internet, like, where we exist. Oh, hyper, but more fluent than we are. Yeah, and then he just gives that back out there without sort of, like, filtering it or trying to, like, reprocess that as something that's, like, cooler and more suits, like, the image yeah. that he wants to present. yeah. And then obviously has an audience for it that goes way beyond the reaches of like the internet subculture from which the idea came. I guess he could I just. I think it's really interesting. And then he also has time to like be basically in the new Grateful Dead and yeah. to also make solo music and to like collect typewriters. I don't know. Such an intense, interesting dude. Yeah. He's a, he's a hero. True legend. Yeah. Mayor's, Mayor, Mayor's, I'm down with Mayor. Mayor's dope. Um, speaking of dope people, uh, at that, that previously mentioned gala. Oh, that's so. I got to hear more about this gala. It was the Parsons Gala. I was sitting at the Gucci table, and I was next to Dapper Dan. So I got to oh. ch- I got to chap it up with Dap. All right. Um, 
and an incredible dude. He told me some amazing off the record historical dap stories. Amazing. Um, he is just kind. He's like um, super. He just has an amazing, like, he's self-possessed. He knows that what he contributed to style culture, to Harlem culture, to New York City culture, to fashion culture, to this, the way that he anticipated the the fashion houses becoming pop culture and street culture yes. is just, like, yes. complete visionary. He knows he's a visionary, but he's also so humbled yeah. by, um, I guess it's a little bit of, like, just the unlikeliness of this new wave right. and, and everything that's come and the fact that he was unlike so many other visionaries who's so far ahead of his time and actually came to be appreciated in his lifetime and has like a whole new wave. So I was like, like just so excited to be talking about humbled. So excited to be like sitting next to him to get to talk to him. That's he, a great you know, table he, mate. That's a, it's as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, and then walking into a gala cold without, yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And then there was a, um, uh, there was an auction and one of the lots was for a private Dapper Dan experience where he would make you a, uh, uh, custom leather jacket. And so they were auctioning, excuse me, they were auctioning this off and guess who won the bid? You. Solange Knowles. Oh, Solange Knowles was also being, she was being honored at this gala and she was at the table next to us and the DAP auction went up and they were like, okay, starting bid, $1,000. And her hand went up like, yeah, I'll take uh, it. And then somebody else bid and her hand went up like, yeah, I'll take it. And somebody else bid and she was like, yeah, I'll take it. And it went up to 27 grand. Hell yeah. It was amazing. It was just like, you know, was I don't it know. an exciting bidding like, war kind of thing happening? Where it was like, were people getting like riled up? Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. been like oh. in a live auction situation oh, like the, that. The room was freaking out, yeah. and it was like, and everyone knows that Solange is obviously. It wasn't like a secret that it was her. No, no, you no. Know, and she was being her. honored that night. Everybody had been staring at her all night, and she was like, "I'm taking taking this Dapper Dan jacket," <laughs> and that was the way she was approaching it. <laughs> yeah. But there was a bunch of rich people there who yeah. also really wanted the Dapper Dan experience. Yeah. Um, so it was just like, I don't know. It was a good night in New York city. It was just one of those things. So shout out to Gucci for, for seating me next to that. And shout out Solange Knowles. And, sh- and, uh, Dev Hines was there. Vince Staples was there. Like Solange brought, brought all the homies, all the friends, of the Petra pod. Collins. I don't know. It was like, um, I don't get out much, man, but it was a good night. I got to go to a gala. Invite me to your next gala. Literally anybody, any gala, yeah, any gala. Um, let's do one speed vibe each. Because they're trying to kick us out of the corporate world. <laughs> they're trying to kick us out of here. Uh, you know, the, the next, I'm out of vibes, so I'm just going to give you that, you know, subscribe, uh, write a review, and tell a friend about Corporate Lunch. This is episode 32. Will. This is Corporate Lunch. One more vibe. You are loved. No, I'm going to save it. See you next time.